Say well, I'm a priest of God. I I mean, holy in and as much as I am associated with the church, amen. And not holy in as much as I am associated with sin. And this is the uh, lanky guys. It is. And I'm Scott Powell. I'm I have the common priesthood of the laity. So I got that going for me. You do, which got is that holy in it. And as you, well. yeah, and and you are a sacrifice, holy unto the Lord. Indeed. And I'm a father. Did I say I'm Scott Powell? You did say you're Scott Powell. I still am. Okay, good. I, I was wondering. It, he started to shimmer for a second as soon as he started to talk about his... Shimmer his, or shiver? Sh- shimmer, shimmer. I had a shiver, but oh. you were shimmering. Oh, shimmering nice. and shivering. And Dude, um, we had a really good cup of coffee just now. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Are you done? I. Oh, man. I'm not. Hold on. I was nursed things too long. It's going to be cold now. Yeah. And it was a really good cup. It was so a really... It's the kind of cup of coffee you don't want to get cold. To get no. cold before you enjoy it. I got one of those little, like, uh, funky espresso makers. That's good. And, man, it's it's got some special things going, man. <laughs> it's it's really funny because even though we're the lanky guys, before this podcast, we always eat. I mean, actually, we're... And we eat really fatty things. I just <laughs> had a piece of meatloaf wrapped in two slices of bacon. Dude, now we're talking. That's the That's the <laughs> love. <laughs> Yeah, it's Ty Gilbert. Ty Gilbert, thank you, dude. Yeah, he 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 deserves the shout out. He really does deserve a shout out. I heard that the uh, Catholic stuff you should know guys gave us a shout out. The Catholic stuff you should know guys are awesome. They they're totally they're totally sweet. Somebody was mocking us though and said that we're just imitating them and trying to be them. I've had quite a few people mock me lately over that. Well, dude, it's this is the thing. What about the salons in Europe when there was style being poured out? Are you going to mock the Impressionists just because they were stylistically cl- close? I'm not going to mock them. I'm not either because I think that they're sweet. And um, I will mock the people who mock me for mocking. Hold on. I'm, hold on. I, I'll I got, mock I got the lost. Catholic Answers guys for other reasons, <laughs> but not in copying them. No, no, because they have, they're, they're just like us. And actually, they podcast in the exact same location that we do. They podcast down here? Yeah, yeah, literally, oh. in the same seats. They and one use, of them lives upstairs from you. Yeah, they, they have different microphones, though, and different microphone stands. So, that so, just sounds like bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> they have their own gear. Nice. And Indeed. Yeah, so we, we, we love you, Catholic Stuff, you should know. And so, if you guys aren't listening to Catholic Stuff, you should know, you really should. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff you need to know. One of their episodes made me almost start crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> when Brian, Father Brian Larkin was the guest star, who is another lanky guy, incidentally. And and, and uh, if you're listening to this, Father Brian, we want to, we invite you to come and join us as a lanky biblical we scholar. We welcome all lanky guys of the Denver metro area. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not no, at all. all. Not and unless you're really serious about scripture, yeah, or not that serious about scripture, one of the two. Either way. Mm. Well, I have to tell you, um, today. It's 50 degrees outside. That's beautiful. It finally feels like Colorado in the winter. I mean, it's warm and I can wear it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to wear a coat. Oh, I love it. I just wore a, a, my vest. I have this little woolen vest that I love. Yeah, he's just wearing a vest. Basically, if you're a Colorado, no, I'm wearing more than that, but I wore a vest. <laughs> I'm not just wearing a vest. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> I'm all sorry. We'll cut that. 
<laughs> it was funny in my head, but now it's how many how many thing how many times did uh, you leave in stuff that we said we would cut out last half of time? Them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly half. Basically, we just sit here and we're like, man, we, we um, there's a scripture passage somewhere that says unless you control your tongue, you can't control anything else. Well, and- here's the problem. So I was editing last week and we said something really stupid. And I forget what it was, uh-huh. but then we picked it up with something really interesting much later on. But you had to hear the first thing we said that was stupid for the next thing later in the show to make sense. So I had to keep it. Oh, oh guess what? What? So last week we were talking about how Boulder was just voted like the number one worst place to work. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday it was voted the number one best place to live by some website. So, so, so we let re- the ironies <laughs> fly. No, I think that was that was our conclusion, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It sucks to work here. It's great to live here. And so you, yeah, Lord have mercy. We don't, we don't know what we're doing up <laughs> here, man. <laughs> and, but we're having fun doing it. Heck, it yeah, we got coffee and cranberry juice and caprese. I had caprese salad for my lunch. I had meatloaf wrapped in bacon <laughs> <laughs> and put potatoes. Oh, it's so good though. It's it's fine. We love you. Okay. This would um enough of this small talk stuff. It. Nobody cares about what we're actually saying beforehand, no. e- except for um, um, Kat Stenland. She, she cares about. Does everything. she care? Does she listen? She does. I think. Oh. I think she actually might be one of the most faithful listeners. Really? Yeah, because every Sunday she comes. Than- she comes to Sunday Mass too, and so she she gets to hear both the before and after. That's a lot. And I know, and that's she, a lot of Father Peter. She listens to it as she eats her lunch. So, in fact, actually, it's kind of a meta experience because we're podcasting <laughs> during at, over lunch. The over lunch, and so wow. she she's actually doing that at the same time. And uh, wow. but oh, yeah, she, she's like she's like this is one of the best things I've heard. So, Kat, we love you. Well, I'm sure we'll blow that today for her. <laughs> we'll right, I'm going to make it my goal. No, it's going to be awesome today. Uh, Oh, wait, your goal to blow it? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're just going to try spirit. to try <laughs> it. Glad, glad you're my boss. I am too. Okay, what are we doing? What are we talking about? We're talking about, we're talking about the reading. So, so here's something interesting. You brought this up last week, which I may have edited out. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so in the old calendar, so we have this new, this new lectionary calendar, the new church calendar. It's new as of like Vatican II though, right? So yeah, it's new as of like the '60s, so it's not that new. Yeah, it's it, which actually a lot of other churches have taken up our lectionary cycle. Yeah, that's right, that's true. Just because it's so good, it is. It's really well thought out. But one of the things you said before, I think, was that in the old calendar, which I'm not super familiar with, but in the old calendar they celebrated what Christmas, Epiphany, and the baptism all together. Is that right? Absolutely. And this, um, oh, old. Actually, I'm not sure that that changed in the '60s. I was reading the um, Fathers of the Church, and I think it was. I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it, that was like 617, if I remember oh. a date correct, that they were all one. So I'm not <laughs> sure if, if it was VC2. 60s, 16s, whichever. 16, 6s. Whichever one. Well, it's kind of cool, though. So I was thinking about that as I was looking through the readings for this week, which, um, so we're in the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. By the way, I have a question for you. Hit me. How is this the second Sunday of Ordinary Time? Last Sunday... We weren't in ordinary time, were we? No, the, the baptism. Well, yeah, the baptism which is, is is the last day of Christmas season, isn't it? And the first day of ordinary time. It's both. It's both and. It's both. And. It's a Catholic okay, feast. I was wondering about that. It's it's a uh, it's the beginning and it's the origin. We love origins. Yeah. But yeah, it. So I, it's I don't the know. Beginning and the end. Of. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Sound effects. So. 
the baptism. So I was thinking about these three feasts, right? So we got Epiphany, which is when the wise men come, right? We have the yep. baptism. And this week we have the wedding feast at Cana. So we've kind of been shipping through the last few weeks of these. I mean, they're all kind of epiphanies, right? In a certain sense. If, if the idea of epiphany is something being revealed, right? Yes. They're kind of coming to life. So things are being made manifest. So in the wedding feast at Cana, which is the gospel reading from this week, we have something totally new that's made manifest. And there's, there's this logical progression. Jesus is born. He has, you know, th- these, these wise people from other places coming and worshiping him. Then we have the baptism in which he's revealed as the son of God. Now we have the wedding feast at Cana where his mission is going to start to be revealed. So everything's slowly being unveiled. So these readings are all about... Um, unveiling of things and epiphanies in a certain sense, which is, which is kind of cool. So I was thinking about that as we, as I was reading through these readings, which I, I like, I'm already picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Are you? Oh yeah. 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 Cause it doesn't always work. Sometimes we come in butt heads. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I'm not, I mean, actually we're, we we're, we we're actually, heads. we're kind of like two of the more gentle people that I know. I hate confrontation. I do too. I'm really sorry if I was mean to you at any, you know. any of any of our other podcasts. I'm always doing Socratic questioning on you. Actually, you know what? It was funny. I was, I was thinking about that. Do you miss it now that I've stopped doing it? I really do. I'm, I feel really silly that I... <laughs> <laughs> Where does the name Socratic reasoning come from? Socrates. Oh, good. Okay, I don't feel dumb anymore. Good. So, first reading. First oh, reading. You know, the first reading, and you... I don't know which... Which Easter masses you did? Isn't the first reading the same reading that was actually used in the Easter in the Christmas Vigil Mass? I think they actually repeat themselves. Just the first reading, right? I think so. I don't Gosh, remember I... which one the vigil is. So oh. there's the Midnight Mass, which is its own. There's like the well, yeah. There's the, the vigil, Midnight, Dawn, and Day. So you have four different sets of readings. So when I went with my four and two year old to the four o'clock Mass, was that the vigil? That was midnight. We use the Midnight Mass oh, okay. readings at the vigil. There's some oh. priest right now listening, and he's like, you have ah! betrayed the liturgy. <laughs> Actually, next year, we're going to try for the full set. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. This is good. I didn't. I never fully understood that. So this is the vigil readings. Yep. Well, not the readings, just the first reading. Just the first reading. From Isaiah. So it, it's from Isaiah 62. We talked a little bit about Isaiah before, but Isaiah... Isaiah, crash course on Isaiah, Isaiah split into two parts, right? So there's the bad news and the good news. The bad news is that you've sinned, you've done all these terrible things, Israel. You're going to be punished. But then starting in chapter 40, it begins by saying, comfort, comfort my people. It's the book of Consolation. It's the the second half of the book saying everything's going to be okay. And so this is right at, actually at the tail end of Isaiah. It ends in chapter 60. So this comes from the tail end of Isaiah, from chapter 62. There's only 66 chapters. <laughs> there's only, <laughs> only 66 in this one. <laughs> Uh, this comes from the tail end. So this is saying, basically at this point in the book, you're getting real close to, to the fulfillment of what's all going to happen. And it's a it's a really cool reading. So I was reading this actually during prayer this morning. And it says, For Zion's sake I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Until her vindication shines forth like the dawn and her victory like a burning torch. Which, just objectively, that's just a cool line. So here's Isaiah shouting, I can't be silent. Even though, you know, Jerusalem and Zion, they're being punished. They're going to be in the darkness for a long time. I've got to shout out because God's going to do something victorious. And her vindication is going to shine forth like a burning torch, like the dawn. And it goes on to say, all the nations will behold your vindications. The kings, your glory, you'll be called by a new name. 
pronounced by the mouth of the Lord, all this stuff. So when the Lord sets things right with Israel and when he forgives the punishment, it's going to be the kind of forgiveness and the kind of vindication that the whole world will see and witness. It's going to blow their minds. I really hope for that with the Catholic Church. What do you mean? If ever, oh, there, if ever there has been a time in the history of the church where media and the, the culture at large just trashes Catholics mm-hmm. and the Catholic church and its teachings, it's now. Totally. And, and, like, and, and one of the things that I know is that we're, we're really serious and we love the truth and we love people. And there's going to be this moment where the vindication is going to shine forth and everybody's going to see it and they're going to get it and they're going to rejoice in it because it will, it will not have, uh, because it it will shine forth in splendor and truth. And I mean, there's going to be hard times till then, but that's okay. Even that, think about this. So I'm not trying to be Socratic, but you can be Socratic. Well, think about it. it. Think about this reading. So it's saying uh, he's going to shout out because the vindication of Jerusalem is going to be this vindication that everybody's going to see. It's going to shine forth. So if you whittle it down to its simplest form, what is the vindication that the whole world sees for Israel? The second coming. No. No. Oh, for Israel. Yeah, for Israel. What is this vindication that Isaiah is talking about? What's the moment when God vindicates his people and forgives all the sins and everything's made right? The crucifixion. It's the crucifixion. So what's shining forth like the dawn, like a burning torch, is actually the Son of God himself hanging bloody on a cross. That was not what I was expecting you to say. Yeah. (laughs) Which, if we're looking ahead to another vindication, it could be a painful one. Uh, It could. I mean, that is the pattern. I mean, the deepest pattern in our church is martyrdom. It is. I mean, what is it? uh, Who is it? Who said that the blood of the martyrs is the the seed? It's Tertullian, right? Yeah. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's a a bummer of a fact, but historically speaking, whenever the church is most persecuted, the church most thrives and she most comes to life and the most beautiful things come out of the church, which is a bummer. Yeah. So I think we have good things on the horizon because I think we're getting pretty beat up. Yeah. And that's how I try to teach. You know, treat the parish as just kind of persecute them, and then they thrive a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm just your employees. I do. No, just, you don't. Well, I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody out there going like, oh no, and he's he, he's he's he like the liturgy wrong. He didn't do the right readings at Christmas. He's he's, he's actually running a tyrannical staff where <laughs> he can't, his staff can't even say how badly they're being treated. Pretty this soon, is, I'm gonna only have one bacon slice wrapped around my meatloaf. Do you give me a lunch? I mean, times is hard. But where we end up in this reading, yeah, yeah, yeah. is this unveiling. Well, there's lots. So we do, so we're still talking about the first reading, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going through all four. No, no, I know, I know. I didn't know if we jumped yet. No, no, I'm well, because so talk about the unveiling, espousing marriage. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is so I mean, cool. Th- I didn't is... see that until I looked back. But I mean, what's the whole theme of the book? Or I mean, of the first reading is is marriage. Yeah, it's all marriage. And we're at the wedding feast of Cana, and totally. I came back and I and I thought, "Oh my goodness, the totally. bridegroom rejoices in his bride." And he but it, the kind of marriage it is is actually very strange. I've yeah. been I've been watching Downton Abbey. Me too. And I'm, and I'm, I'm hooked now. What's interesting is marriage in Downton Abbey Don't um, give away. I'm only on season 2, so don't give it away. Okay, I'm. I, I, blow it for me. I mean, the, the whole the whole purpose oh, of this yeah. show is 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 that there needs to be marriage, right. 
because there needs to be an inheritance and an espousal yeah, yeah. to the land. Downton yeah. Abbey yeah. is this is this place, and so right. it, in some ways it is an image of Christ wanting to wow, that's, say, about that. actually, this is where you're to inhabit and to live and to be. What's funny is what does anybody do in Downton Abbey? Nothing. Nobody really does nobody it. Does any, well, I mean, the, the servants, yeah. the servants do stuff. That's true. But everybody else. <laughs> They, I mean, they're just kind of like sitting around thinking about stuff and drinking tea and having parties and being. You, but, but you just blew my mind with something, because the net. I'm not trying to jump around, but in the uh, so I've been struggling trying to figure out how the the second reading from First Corinthians ties in, because mm-hmm. the second reading is going to be all about different gifts that are given. You know, some have gifts of tongues and healing and prophecy and mighty works and all this stuff. So, if you take the Downton Abbey analogy. Um, I, I remember one of the fir- one of the early episodes. It took me a while to get hooked. I couldn't stand the show for a while, and then I, I pushed through, and now I love it. But one of the early episodes. So this, you know, it's it's these people who live in this big house, and they basically don't do anything. And there's that character Matthew, who is supposed to be the new heir to everything, and he yeah. comes in. He's really annoyed by all the workers, and he's like, "I don't need this. I don't need these servants doing all this stuff." No. And the uh, the dad, the, the patriarch, whatever his name, Lord is, Grantham, Lord, Lord Grantham, says something Robert. to him. He says something to him like, you know, we all have our roles to play. And would you deprive this man of his work? You know, this is mm-hmm. his livelihood and his job. His role in this little world is to put your coat on in the morning and to wash these dishes. That's our. That's his role. My role is something different. And so we all have these gifts, which is exactly what the first reading is saying, isn't it? Oh. We all have these gifts. And next week's reading is going to be all about, you know, the I shouldn't complain it doesn't do what the hand does. And, you know, these different gifts are meant for different reasons. Oh. But that was a really cool moment. That was actually the moment where I really started to like the show. It was when he's like, no, no, we just have different roles in this. My role is different than his. But we're all in this, and I need to give him the right to perform that role. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. And, 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 and in fact, like, his dignity isn't tied to it, but it right. dignifies him. It dignifies him. Yeah. And, and and not allowing him to do that is 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 just kind of like... You're just benching him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind that's, of a cool time. Yeah, I've been tr- struggling with that. And and so the the marriage, but we skipped over. Yeah, something. no, and I don't mean to skip. I just wanted to look at that. But one, one more thing about the marriage, though, in this first reading, and this was one of the things that struck me in prayer this morning. Um, it, it uses all these proper names. Do you see that? So it says, "No more shall the people call you forsaken," but it uses a capital F, like proper name, forsaken. Yeah, but you shall be called my delight and espoused. And all this stuff. So, in other words, he's saying Israel is going to be given a new name. Now, what are the times in your life where you're given a new name? When you're confirmed and baptized. When, what did we just celebrate last week? Baptism of the Lord. Baptism of the Lord. What's the other time when you're given a new name? Uh, everybody. Papal. Mm, yeah. I mean, we, um, uh, uh, oh, last name you, you, and marriage. And marriage. Yeah, when yeah. you marry somebody. So, my wife you can took tell, on my last name. You can tell I'm a celibate. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was going to try to... But so it's interesting. So there's this all this talk about a new name being given. We just come from the baptism where we receive a new name. We're looking forward to the wedding feast at Cana where there's a new name being given. And right in the midst of it, you have this first reading all about a new name. Coming. We, so there's it's an interesting little image. Well, and, and two things happen with names. First one, what what is name? What does name um, signify? Now who's being Socratic. Ah, <laughs> take my Socratic. <laughs> I don't know what it signifies. Admission. What mission? Oh, I thought you said admission. Admission. <laughs> Name signifies admission. Let me into the movie. That was exactly what I was thinking. Mission. You stole my thought. Mission. 
So, so in, in fact, the, the mission, I mean, this is the thing, no more shall people call you forsaken. They say that is what your destiny is, is your mission is forsakenness, desolate. Right. Now you're going to be called delight and espoused, hmm. which is actually very much what vindication is. When people totally. are looking at you, they're like, man, you are pitiable. Yeah, totally. You guys are sad. Totally. But oh. I sure hope I hit record. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I had, I've been looking at my, I've been trying to use the actual scriptures because you, you, you. I'm trying to as well. I'm not doing a very good job. I'm not either, but that's okay. That reminded me of something. I, I don't want to, we can cut this out if this doesn't make any sense, but it just reminds me of this image from uh, the Old Testament, back from the book of Genesis when you have, uh, who is it? Jacob. Remember Jacob's Ladder, the whole story? So Jacob goes off. You mean the horror movie? No, the Bible story. You're a Bible I was like, dude, that movie messed me up. I saw dude. that when I was like nine, man. <laughs> right. Jacob's Ladder. And it's the... named after the Bible. I know. Oh, Jacob's Ladder, where the yes. angels are descending yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, upon the Son of Man. So Jacob, right? So Jacob's the same guy who later on has that wrestling match with the angel. Yeah. Right? And after the wrestling match, you know, remember he pulls his... his hip out of a socket or something yeah and there's like he has some sciatica afterwards yeah or something. yeah it's crazy so i i had a teacher who uh always give this he it was he was a friend who gave this image and it's always stuck in my mind that from that point on any anytime anyone saw jacob walking around he's got a limp now he he walks differently yeah and i imagine you know you know imagine you're you're walking around with your mom little kids walking with his mom and they're like hey what's wrong with that guy and the mom gets to say, no, he walks like that because he's changed. He wrestled with God and he's marked forever. So he's a different person, but that that's now a sign of his vindication. So he's got this kind of new identity, this new mission, which is actually marked by his physicality. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah I'm just, it, it was reminded of that by this new name, new mission. But, you know, and where Christ is going with all this stuff, it's going to be through suffering. So you got this great image in Jacob who has vindication because he wrestles with God, but he's marked by it. He's going to have a limp for the rest of his life that everyone's going to see, but hopefully everyone can know that that limp is a sign of his his victory and his yeah. new nature is being espoused and delight, not forsaken like he was at the beginning of the story. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It, it does. It, if I was going to preach on that, I would talk about how in third grade I was talking to this kid and he was like, man, he's like, I got to get my gangsta lean going oh. because, because if Father I got... Father Peter and I grew up in the same generation. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, if I ain't got my gangsta lean, then, then <laughs> <laughs> they're going to see me as a pansy. And so so in third grade, they were developing the gangsta... Third gangst- grade? Yeah, I know. Times were hard. It was M- Marvin. Marvin used to come over to my house for uh, for Top Ramen and he is in jail now, actually. Oh. He got his gangsta lean on, but like really, yeah, you know, God bless him. So where we're going with this whole thing, you know, the, the the culmination of all the readings is obviously the gospel. That's that's the way the liturgy is organized, right? Well, that's the way every. I mean, that's the way that not Everything. only the liturgy but the scriptures themselves. Oh, totally, totally. It, so it's it, like stair steps, right? So the yes. readings are taking us up these stairs, ultimately pointing us toward the gospel. So that's where we're headed. And this gospel reading, which we'll get to in a second, is all about this this relationship between Jesus and Mary and this mission that Jesus is going to take part in. It's all taking place in the context of this marriage feast, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about all that, but I was I, I needed to do some research on the Psalms. See, okay, how does this tie in? And so Psalm 96, is that what we're reading this week? Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Check this which, out. Which is colon one, two, column. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that great? It's always so funny when oh. you when you have this liturgical stuff. Is that, chooses that? I don't know, but it's, it's Psalm 96, verse one to two, verse two to three, 
verse seven to eight, verses nine to ten. Why? Like, I don't understand why there's it gets chunked. Maybe it's for singing reasons. Maybe rhythmically, that's what's sung best. I don't know, man. You've been you were you've been singing a lot. Yes, I have the. I recently downloaded the soundtrack to Les Mis, and I keep listening to it. One verse more. One verse more. (laughs) That's all we're gonna give you because it hurts otherwise. If any, yeah, okay. So Psalm ninety six. One thing that I found that was interesting about this. So traditionally, Psalm ninety six was among the psalms that the people of Israel chose to sing when the Ark of the Covenant was placed inside the new tabernacle that David built. Boo. <laughs> so isn't that, isn't that wild? That's wild. So it's one of the psalms that they chose to read when the, when the Ark is put permanently in the temple, in the tabernacle, which I thought was really cool because this reading, the gospel reading, is all centered around Mary in a, in a certain sense in her role in things. Yeah, because it's... Is the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. So the Ark of the Covenant, who is Mary, the new Ark of the Covenant, Mary, yeah. is now being placed in her mission role in a certain sense. This is this is what propel this moment in the Gospel of John is what propels them both. Jesus toward the cross and Mary toward, you know, having her her, her heart uh, a sword will pierce her heart and all these things she's gonna do. And here it's the psalm that you sing when the ark is placed in the temple. That's which awesome. is just really cool. And the other thing that I just thought was cool, so about a week ago, so I've been trying more and more to, to pray through these readings instead of just reading them and researching and spewing facts. Yes. So last week I was reading this reading from the Gospel of John, the wedding feast at Cana, and the thing that struck me, the thing that jumped out from the text more than anything else when I was reading this, and I mean, listen to this. Listen to John chapter 2. There was a wedding feast, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. But just think about that sentence for a second there. There's a wedding in Cana. Mary was there. Oh, and by the way, Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the whole point of the Gospels, he was also there. But the way that John frames the story, what does he begin with? Mary's there. Yeah. That's kind of the—I don't know exactly what to do with it, but it struck me. Jesus is the secondary piece of information in this story. Oh, yeah, Jesus was also there with his disciples. Jesus also was invited to the marriage, (laughs) which— So John wants you thinking about Mary as you're reading this story. That, yeah. That's what that says to me. Well, I'm just wondering if there's a parallelism in the pericope itself. <laughs> For those of, <laughs> of you who are listening who just said parallelism in your pericope, yes, what I did do you have. Call me? It's a medical condition. <laughs> a pericope is a section of scripture that is. Um, literarily wrapped as a whole using linguistic clues. So so basically what happens is a lot of times we read the scriptures and we use the chapter verses as like somehow chapter one is this, but that was added afterwards. And so if you want to actually learn what um, is cohesive and what is actually intended to be the beginning and end of, of a story, you have to look at linguistic clues yeah. And uh, or structural clues, um, yeah. y- y- literary clues, right? And so a pericope really is, is just a word that we use to to define a section of scripture. So the the um, this episode of the Lanky Guys brought to you by the word pericope. <laughs> and so a parallelism <laughs> in your pericope <laughs> is is when um, uh, there, there's a, like a, some sort of structure where a, a, a one part is really meant to contrast and to build on another part. So 
a parallelism comes out of uh, usually. Oh, you a, mean chiastic polystrophy? Oh, uh, Father, Father Brian Larkin will laugh at that, and no one else will. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't listen to this because this is way below him. <laughs> no, if he doesn't listen to it, Let's then bring I'm going to down. We're going down to our level. Yeah, we're going to we're going to do that. And so, so if you look at it in the story, then the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glories and his disciples believed him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his hmm. disciples. And there he stayed for a few days. So what you're finding is that, is that you're, you're contrasting this with um, where we begin with where Mary goes, Jesus goes. And then we end this with, with Jesus, Jesus goes, goes Mary, Mary goes. And so it's this transfer. Which will ultimately take you to the cross where Jesus, is that what you, you were Vindicated. I just, I just took your punchline. Sorry. You just built on it. I no! wasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> all this is going to culminate at the cross where Mary ultimately follows him. So you get the beginning of the gospel here where you have Mary going someplace, Jesus goes. And at the very end of the gospel, you have Jesus going to the cross and Mary goes with him. Yes. So the whole thing kind of wraps itself up. That's cool. Yeah. It's, and, and ultimately, that's where the vindication lies and vindication. Where, the, where the gifts are. And that's what Jesus is talking about. As, as you read on, it says, the wine ran short and the mother, sa- mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, how does this concern, how does your concern affect me? My hour is not yet come. There's a bunch of different translations for that line there. Um, my favorite translation from the Greek says, woman, what is this to you and me? Not just mm. how, so Jesus isn't, isn't just not caring. Like, I don't care. What, what, what's that my business? But he's actually asking Mary, okay, so this moment, you're asking me to do something about this. Do you understand what this means for you and me? If I actually do what you're asking me to do here, which is perform a miracle, yeah. do you understand where that's propelling things? If I start this public ministry of mine, you understand where this is going to lead, right? Which is ultimate to the cross. He uses this term woman, which is not obviously derogatory, but he's hearkening all the way back to Genesis where the woman was the one who helped usher in sin into the world, her and her husband. And now you have another man, woman through whom. Ushering of grace into the world. So it's a really profound scene, but he says, my hour has not yet come. And what is his hour? Well, John's going to show later on the hour is this, the cross. It's the passion itself. So everything in the story is pointing you ahead to the cross. Yeah, and 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 actually pulling you back because it's the, right. we we start to say that this is the third day, and right. and if you look at right, what right. what happens in the scriptures, um, John is is beginning, and you can follow how he's actually tracing a new creation yeah. from in the beginning was the word, and then he starts to go, and then the third day, and what happens is that we're actually talking about the seventh day right now, yeah, and so we're we're saying that that Jesus is taking up six stone jars, so the sixth day is the day of unrest, the day of sin. Seventh day is the day of rest yeah. and, and consummation and, and fulfillment and covenant. Mm. And so when we're talking about the wedding feast, what we're seeing is that Jesus is taking up the um, the six days, all everything in creation up until we are going to be inaugurated into the seventh day of rest. He's filling it up and he's yeah. transforming it so that like what we were talking about earlier, how everything culminates in the gospel, everything culminates in Jesus. All of Isaiah, all of the Psalms, the tabernacle, mm. the signs, the, uh, the, the land itself, everything is taken up, filled and transformed. And then we see Christ, yeah. we taste Christ. and Literally. Literally. And we're into now this, this rest. Yeah. St. Irenaeus has a great quote. He said, that which is not assumed is not redeemed. In other words, if Christ didn't 
take everything on. I mean, everything, everything. Then he didn't take anything on. So that, it's an all or nothing deal. That's a lot better quote than you know, <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you get when you assume? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You make an ass out of you and me. You and me. Yeah. It's my, so you're my dad in your words. Yeah. <laughs> Every other day he told me that. Yeah, that's that's you know my dad used to put me to sleep and he would say, "Son, just remember, what does a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his soul?" Good night. <laughs> He did. Oh yeah. I mean, like, and it's no wonder I'm a priest. I'm like, no, I true. lose everything. <laughs> what else can I lose? And now I lose my keys. So, no, see. It's, but it's, you've gained. I've, I've gained everything. So, gosh, it's good stuff, man. We all fit together, and this is uh, this is good. And the fact that the the church, in her wisdom, has actually put all these things together. For a reason. I mean, they actually do. It's like a big puzzle that we just get to kind of meditate on, work through, and wonder why is, why did the church choose these readings this week? You know, what's the tie-in? So often, I I sit through mass. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a clue what one has to do with the other. Yeah. But the the fact that they're all there and they're all just kind of waiting for it. I spent the vast majority of my life hearing these readings and doing nothing with them or not thinking about them. But the fact that they're all still there waiting for us whenever we're ready to to meditate and ponder these things. I'll tell you, and it keeps going every time I engage. Just kind of like this podcast. We love you. Uh, Goodbye. Good night. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.